Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. You're listening to Room 104. It's Wednesday, that time of the week where you get to hear from some of the best comedians in the city about some of their worst gigs. In my worst gig, it's uh, therapy, it's trauma, it's post-traumatic stress for some people. Joining me on the line now to tell you a little bit more about their worst gigs in their years of doing stand-up comedy, the resident MC founder of the Chaplain's Comedy Club, Mr. Simon O'Keefe. How are you, sir? I am not too bad, Cormac. How are you? Good, good. Uh, Come here. Um, How long have you been in stand-up now? Close to 19 years. Wow, that long? Yeah. When and where was your first gig? My very first ever gig was the 9th of November 2000 in the student bar in UCD. And I hadn't even thought of that as being one of my worst gigs ever, but I'd say it would have been pretty bad because it would have been like 19. Like, I think like it was, I was hosting like a family stock gig that was there because it was proper comedians on and me hosting it. Yeah. And I think I did a, a grand total of four jokes, two of which were stolen, which obviously... You know, I yeah. <laughs> I, lear- I I learned very quickly. It's like no, 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 don't do that. That that that's very, very, very bad. God, right. So uh, it's been so nearly up to your nineteenth anniversary. Then what? Next month no, or the month after November? Wow. Yeah, it's quite scary. My career has grown up and left me. <laughs> career is an adult now. It's moved out and got its own job. You're like, God damn it. Um, right. Well, I suppose we'll, we'll we'll jump into it then because this part is obviously about you know reliving and re traumatizing you about some of your worst gigs. Apart from that first one, is there any other ones that have stood out for you as being a bit dodgy? Well, just for the day that's in it, I did actually do a gig on the September 11th, which would, would have been 2001. And it's a case of everyone was booked for the gig, so everyone just kind of turned up anyway and just thought, oh, we should probably just do this gig anyway. And then, yeah. like, tar- bizarrely, most of the audience were actually American, and it was because the gig was in Temple Virus in Hapenny Bridge Inn. So everyone, like, the audience was just kind of like, oh, what the hell's going to happen now in general in the world, let alone this gig? And the comedians were like that. And it, it ended up being just kind of an atmosphere of, like, we, you know, in fact, we may as well enjoy ourselves while we can now because this, you know, could be a bit topsy-turvy. So, like, that was... That was really weird. The only the only part was it's like one of the comedians on who I won't name didn't think, Oh, I might just change my set for the day that's in it. So he was just doing this bit about why you know, why do why do planes have like like, you know, like uh, collision lights on them? You know, basically. Like like what are planes gonna oh, collide into the these have these no. little flashing lights on it and everything <laughs> in the room just, just kind of went to the slides like no, no, that, 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 that's that's more of a that's more of a September tenth joke, you know. That's more, yeah. Oh God, and so I take it he didn't get a laugh then. That particular bit didn't get a laugh. No, I, I think I think overall he did okay. 
<laughs> yeah, just that bit. It was like, ooh, ooh, oh god, what's going on? Um, so that, that must have been an interesting one. There. So what was what was the vibe like in the room that day? It was kind of weird. It was this little kind of you know, it's it was kind of like that bit in like Game of Thrones just before like the you know the, the Battle of Black Blackwater Bay where like everyone's just kind of like getting drunk and just like cracking jokes. It's just, they just kind of know it's like you know tomorrow you know some people on horseback are going to try and kill them. Yeah, everyone was predicting World War Three the day after that or that day as well. It was like, oh yeah, here we go. Maybe the fortunate thing looking back now is there wasn't the same degree of internetness, you know, in 2001 as there was now. Like no one had, you know, everyone just had blockier phones and there was yeah. like no social media or anything like that. So like there was people were just relying on like, you know, papers and TV and stuff like that. So there was nothing... Nothing, no nothing constant chaos being rammed down your throat kind of to every second of every day yeah I mean like I, th- I think if something like that happened now within about 30 seconds there's just be pictures of like you know like photoshop pictures like Jeremy Corbyn you know piloting one of the planes uh, yeah and people just people trying to go you see this is a, this is an EU plot all along <laughs> this is a George Soros backed uh, attack on, on freedom how did you get on at that gig then in terms of memory I'd say it did okay but I'd say back then because it would have been like 19 or whatever and only in comedy for a year I'd say probably was still crap but just didn't you know didn't realise it because I think it was only after maybe when I was gigging for a year or two I just decided right I'm going to like just videotape all my gigs and look them back and see what I can, I can improve on and then you start looking them back and just you just kind of realise it's like oh I'm actually really really bad at this <laughs> Like yeah, it, like it started not not just in the terms of having VHS, but I like I remember doing gigs where things like, oh yeah, that gig went great, and I got this huge laugh at the end. And then you look back at the tape, and you do twenty minutes, and you got like no laughs, but then you got a laugh on your last joke. And then it's just because like you're young and you're stupid and you're giddy from being on stage, and you walk off thinking you're great, and then you you actually look at the the video of it and just kind of go, so it's like, oh oh, that that's what actually happened. Yeah, there's nothing worse. You kind of get a deluded sense of, I oh, don't know, it was grand. And then, yeah, as you said, when you start doing that, because in radio, we used to do these things where we do like, you do air checks where your boss will bring you in and take an hour of your show and sit you down and just play it in front of you. And as, as you know, listening to yourself back, everyone hates the sound of their own voice, but it's the most uncomfortable experience ever. But then you realize, oh, yeah, at the time, we all thought that was hilarious, but that actually, yeah, that that's horrific. But that, that's why, like, I think with comedy is kind of easier than radio in one way, is because you have the immediate reaction that you you should know, or after a while you're going to know. Oh, are they enjoying it? Are they liking it? Whereas with you know radio, is just you're to a certain extent you are just kind of like you know just speak, speaking as a void as like just you or just one or two of you in the studio, and you don't know what's going on, and like there's no immediate reaction coming back. And then it's just like, you, then you just like, you, you, you might be just like looking at the screens going up and just see what tweets and texts are then coming in. And you could be thinking, it's like, wow, I'm doing great. And just kind of goes like, no, I'm getting more test threats than usual. And the only feedback is like a few months later when the listener figures come out and you get the bullet. And you're like, oh, OK, well, we all thought that was going great, but it turns out it wasn't. No, it's like replacing you with a two-hour episode of The Ash. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, cool. I mean, there's a couple of interesting ones. Any other ones that um, have sprung to mind about uh, worst gigs? There was one I did for, I can't, I'm trying to remember the name of the pub. I think it might be the Dragon in Tala Village, but the gig was for Tala IT. And this would be very early 2000s. And then when I arrived at the venue, they showed me the part of the gig where it was on. Because like, it's just very strangely, like, like the put the bar is shaped like a square <laughs> nearly like a courtyard in that like yeah. it's very very big and nearly every side of the square is like just nearly separate to, to each other so it's just like all these owl lads drinking at one o'clock during the day on like one side of the square on the opposite side 
there's where this comedy gig is going on but there's par- there was a partition down the middle like half the crowd couldn't see <laughs> the gig was going on I said to the guys like they kind of needed to see this and, he's, and he just says oh no no we do this for quizzes all the time it'll be fine and we ended the scenario where people were like walking around from the other side you know they could all hear so what happened was he, these people were just really probably just wanted to have their lunch but like could you know could hear what was going on but couldn't see it and they were just like walking around a partition heckling and then walking back around again <laughs> and that was that was about my all time like I think the worst one I'd say yeah the worst one I ever did that like you know didn't involve like violence or, or threats of violence I, like, I did one in Manchester and I won't say the venue but, uh, about 10 years ago like it apparently it has this reputation of being owned by some very 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 shady gangsters right. but like I'd done, I'd done like midweek gigs from beforehand like these student gigs and like they, they'd gone great um, and then, like, they booked me for, I think it was like a St. Patrick's weekend. So, and it was, it was, it was oh, oh, cool. You know, it was like all Irish line up, you know, this would be great. Manchester, you know, yeah. you know, big city, big population. My first weekend doing it for this club and I had this great reputation. I, you know, like, then when I got there, and it was, you know, it was really, really busy and I was pacing around down the back. And this woman came up to me and she said, like, oh, do you work here? And I said, oh, well, I'm one of the performers tonight. And she goes, yeah, I just want to ask because you look really nervous. And then her exact words were, she says, like, oh, don't worry, you'll be fine. This is a great club here. We're all white. We're all working class. There's no Asians in. And then she started to go on about the Asians at Manchester Rune. And I'm just kind of going, it's like, okay, you're, you're, you're a psychopath. And also, this does not feel like my type of crowd. You know, what, what's going on? And then after a while, she was telling me it was her first night out for two and a half years because she had a baby and her boyfriend, like, wouldn't let her go out, basically. So it's like she hadn't like had a night out in two and a half years, and like and like literally, it's just like I'm just like trying to swallow my own face as a combination of embarrassment and fear wow. that like you know this woman is basically coming to me and telling me goes like oh yeah this gig is going to be a nightmare for you, and also can you get me out of this country please? <laughs> yeah. And you know, and by the way, I'm a racist, so I uh, hope you have a really good night. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, a, it's an it's an interesting you know it's this like problem as a performer when someone walks up to you and just kind of goes it's like yeah this crowd is viciously racist, um, you know, and then you're just kind of going it's like oh dear you know it's like what what do I do then uh, you know so it was just it was weird because you just basically tell me oh, this, this, this is really rough knuckles around racist crowd and I'm there like you know like. My, like you know my skinny jeans and my pink laces and my converse you know back then just kind of going it's like oh this this is not going to be my crowd but I got on stage and like it's, it's not going well at all like I'm getting no laughs oh. like at one point I asked to set up a joke are there any students in and the crowd booed like they didn't do it like they genuinely just booed the concept of further education <laughs> you know and, yeah. it, and it's gone bad and then so it's like, what really something up the answer was there was like a stag party in but the stag was in fancy dress and he was dressed as the stig from Top Gear now, in my defense, this was like about 10 years ago, but look, I've never watched Top Gear, so I didn't know what the stig was. Like, I thought this guy like might be dressed as, dressed as like one of Daft Punk or something yeah. like that. But he had, he had like the, the visor helmet all the way down. So I just said, it's like, what are you meant to be? But then like, he's not answering any questions. So he's just kind of like, so I just have this guy in a crash helmet just staring at me and then just occasionally shaking his head. And like, <laughs> like, like I wish I had been booed off because that would have been more of a reaction and cooler because it was meant to do 20 minutes and I left after 10 minutes oh, and the no. reason I left the reason I left was because like at that point no one was paying any attention to me like I hadn't got booed off and there was more and more people to start talking so like I didn't get like booed off I got ignored off oh, stage no. like it just got to the point where it just went like no one is a- no one is actually listening and it's like when, when I left nobody nobody even noticed 
decide decide left off stage. I think it was only a minute or two later. They, like I think it was a guy called John John Fabergill was comparing, and he came back on stage. People just went like, "Oh, oh, that's finished." And I had to like I had to send like the sound technician up to the bar like to cash my check for me. I had to like I had to like, try and sneak out sneak out the back way when it was going on. But then there was like some punter was outside having a smoke, and he, and he just kind of said to me, just kind of goes, "Oh, do you know what you did wrong?" I thought, right, and all the What he said to me was, "Like, no, what you did wrong was." You do, you just tried to do jokes, like you should have slagged people in the crowd, but you just tried to do jokes, and that's why you didn't do well. And just comes, it's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Here's me, a comedian on stage at the comedy club, telling jokes. <laughs> How naive was I? To, Come on, you know, now, Simon. People go to a comedy club; they don't want to hear jokes. Everyone knows that. That's I know they're there specifically for 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 background music and to try <laughs> and, abuse, and be yeah. and and to be trying to lean Neeson out of the country away from the, <laughs> their abusive boyfriend. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, I can imagine that. You know what you did wrong there, man. You just didn't do. Uh, you did too many jokes. And on about that club, it's what people told me. This was like it's like shady guys that own it. It's like they come in every so often and they sit right in the front, and they like to be centre attention. But they they like the comics to slag them, but in the exact right way, kind of thing. Right, yeah. So there's all these stories of comics who've gone too far, or like have ignored them, told them to shut up, or gone too far, and they never play there again. So they want this, like you know, this weird, weird thing of this, 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 like, oh, look at you there with your three really expensive watches. Who do you think you are? You know, it's like the king of England. You know, this, this, like, <laughs> but like, but you go to him, just kind of goes, this is like, yeah, geez, you're you're wearing a lot of gold. Did you steal that on the way in? This is like, not never playing here again. It was, um, yeah, and then your, your kneecaps might be gone after the gig. You're like, oh, lovely. It's like that, that that one was pretty bad. I'm trying to think if I done. And like I've weirdly done one some other gigs where like it's not that like some people should be kicked out, but like the entire crowd should it would be easier to kick out the people that weren't causing trouble. <laughs> yeah. Like I've done, I've done one or two one or two of those, and like like I did, did one that was in Liverpool. That was that was nearly one of my biggest disappointments in comedy. Cause like I'm, like I was a huge Liverpool fan as a kid, and but then when I actually start going out to do Liverpool to do gigs, and then you're in Liverpool and just kind of go and it's like, oh I oh what was I hyping up in my head here? This is. This is this is not that great. <laughs> so, come here. Apart from uh, those bad gigs that you've you've kind of done in the past, and there's been a few beautiful ones in there that you that you have done. Uh, any of your favourite gigs that have kind of stood out for you over the 19 years that you've been gigging? What's what's been up there as kind of the the, the top one or two? The top one or two. I, there was one really fun one I did. There was one year they had comedy at the Oxygen Festival in 2007. That was the only year they actually had comedy. And it, was, and it was brilliant and there was this like English band I wanted to, wanted to see called uh, Enter Shikari and they were on at like I think their set was starting like 25 past 5 or something like that and I was on at like 5 o'clock finishing at half 5 complete opposite end of the site and I for whatever reason I just said at the end of my and it was this re- it was like you could hardly like you know you, you could only it was so loud from other music coming in you had to like judge people's facial expressions to see whether they were laughing or not or when something happened but at the end of my set I just said it's like Oh look, you know it's like I'm running off to see this band called Enter Shikari, you know. So like, so so apologies to anyone, you know, who wants to get like an autograph or see me after the gig, you know, ha ha ha. Um, so finish, and then like I go legging it off to go and see the band, and then I just looked around, and there was about fifty people following me, <laughs> <laughs> and I just around some. I just kind of said, it's like, it's like, oh, like, they don't even like 200, 250 people in the comedy tent. I just it's, it's like, oh, you guys. Got these bands, what's gonna? And a few of them just kind of said, "It's like, oh, well, you just look like you listen to music, so just figured that like this band's this good that you're running off to see them." It's like <laughs> we should, we might as well check them out as well. And I just kind of thought, like, "Wow, this is possibly the coolest thing I'm ever gonna do." <laughs> 
championing comedy. Yeah, a group of people to uh, to go see the band. I just remembered one really bad one as well, though. I do, I do want to say that because the fact that bear in mind this happened on my birthday, you know, which made made it even worse. I was, I was doing the laugh lounge a few, a few years ago, um, and like I've been seeing this girl, and we kind of had like you know like a kind of friends of benefits arrangement thing right. going on for a, for a month or two, and I wanted like I really really liked this girl, and like I wanted to make it like you know make it more serious or basically say like you know will you go steady with me but in a less dorky way because yeah. I think if you ask someone to go steady with you they, they definitely will not go steady with you so I just kind of like you know met up with her before the gig and the talk oh we're going on great for the birthday and I was asking like oh yeah and she's she, 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 so yeah and then it's like and she said it's, it's like no look I'm just not looking for a relationship now kind of thing so it's like alright bit kind of crestfallen and then she just sat in the very front row like by herself like for this entire gig that I'm just like depressed doing it I just have this girl oh, then just sitting no. there in the front row on her own just like just like staring at me and <laughs> you're just, just going to go and it's like why why did you have to sit there oh god that's horrible yeah if, if, if we mention her name on the radio do you think she'll go we go out with me now <laughs> if you embarrass her live on the air yeah she'll go out with you and take you to court for your first date and go hey <laughs> I bought us a date in front of the high court happy uh, days well listen um, jokes, on, jokes on you missus I have no money there's no point in suing me <laughs> yeah this is costing you money in your own legal yeah. fees because we can't afford it and um, come here are you obviously um, hosting and running still the Chaplin's Comedy Club I take it where I uh, this weekend as well who's on uh, we are not on this weekend because we can't use the venue because of the all Ireland football final replay. oh damn it <laughs> so uh, so that's on so so uh, you can go there this Saturday if you want but there won't be any comedy so you'll you'll save 10 euro but you won't get any comedy the good news though is the 28th which is the last Saturday of this month it's our 5th anniversary oh cool so it's, yeah, so so that that's that's going that's going to be pretty nice. We've a really good lineup. We've uh, Danny O'Brien, uh, Stephen Mullen, Ailish McCarthy, Baron McConmara. Um, we're trying to rustle up some very special guests as well. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. Deadly, yeah. So end of the month, Chaplin's <laughs> Comedy Club, um, fifth anniversary. And Simon, your uh, best place someone can kind of connect with you online, social media. Where's the best place to stalk you? Best place to stalk me is sitting in the front row of the laughter lounge. <laughs> um, <laughs> So the, the fact that we've mentioned the last time so many times, I'm just really hoping there are some, some gigs now. It's <laughs> oh, it's O'Keefe Simon on Twitter and it's Simon O'Keefe Comedy on Instagram and and thing. What's the other one thing? YouTube. That's the one. And uh, if, yeah, and if you just swipe them eventually, you'll probably find me on Twitter. <laughs> Lovely. Simon O'Keefe, a resident host founder of the Chapman's Comedy Club. Uh, very best of luck and, and congratulations on the fifth anniversary and thanks for popping on my worst gig. It's been a pleasure, Cormac. Thank you very much. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.